Hello, everybody. Welcome into the College Gridiron Podcast, episode two of 2020. A lot to get into, both with last week and now this week's games. Happy you could be along with us for another week. I've got Nick DeLuca with me. I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Should be a great week of college football coming up. We have Georgia-Alabama on Saturday. We'll get into that later in the show. But, Nick, great to be here with you, and good to be back for another week of college football. I feel like that's important not to take that for granted this year. And luckily, we get to come back and have another full slate of games to break down. No, absolutely. Always a good time. Talking college football with you, Jimmy, and you know that, and it is certainly not something that we should be taking for granted. Just before we get on the air here to record, we hear about Florida and some positive tests there and the issues with Dan Mullen saying that he wanted the stadium to be full 90,000 fans, and then they turn around and have to shut down their program's entire operation because they have five positive tests. So certainly not something that we should be overlooking at all and excited to get into the craziness of college football. It feels a little bit more normal now. We're getting into some of the games where it's like, wow, this team played a little bit better than I thought, or this was a wacky game, or I didn't see that upset coming. Not something that we saw as much the first couple of weeks. Teams sort of getting back into the swing of things. And now with some of the teams who will be coming back in the coming weeks, it's an exciting time to be talking college football. Certainly is. And Dan Mullen clamoring for 90,000 people at uh, Ben Hill Griffin, just a crazy move. And then he has an outbreak on his hands to that team, obviously hope for the best for everybody involved. What was crazy about that was, was he doubled down on it too. And that was the thing for me that you just, sit there and say, really? Because even if he was trying to talk about the competitive advantage, like even if he felt that way, you would have thought that someone in Florida's administration would have said, yeah, no, Dan, you can't really say that. Or you, pro- you probably shouldn't take that route, even if that's what you want to believe. It's probably not the smartest thing to do, particularly when Florida isn't even having in-person classes right now. So that was just the thing that struck me about that whole situation. And then when you find out that he's got five positive tests in his own group there, not the best look for the University of Florida. And we didn't even touch them losing to Texas A&M this weekend. Yeah, that was a very good win for Texas A&M. Uh, one that I will say I had a weird gut feeling about going in. Uh, I'll give it to you. Yeah. The thing is, I get so many predictions wrong. I have to run into one every now and again. It's like a 150 hitter and he hits give a me, home run. Give me the broken clock Sullivan right there. <laughs> hey, you got it every once in a while, right? Every once in a while. Look, if Florida wants to host their own super spreader events at football games, they could do that. That's up to them. But speaking of the craziness of college football, I feel there is no better gateway into that world than Texas, Oklahoma on Saturday the Red River Remnants, Oklahoma with a 53-45 victory in quadruple overtime over Texas in what was just an absolutely insane game. Oklahoma had a chance to win in double OT with a field goal. The kid shanks it, and then they eventually go to four overtimes, and they do wind up getting the victory uh, Nick, this is a matchup of two teams that, frankly, are not very good right now. But sometimes 
does produce the best games. And these two teams went at it this weekend, took us to four overtimes. And I said this on Saturday, gave us the best and worst college football game in recent memory. And I think both of those things can be true, especially if you watch that game. Well, neither team is very good. And that's what makes it very entertaining because when you're talking about Oklahoma and Texas, two programs that presumably have aspirations that go beyond just simply winning this game. When they're both two and two and you got Texas two and one coming into that game, Oklahoma one and two, these are the type of games that actually kind of make your season, right? At some point you throw away the aspirations of maybe winning a national title. The big 12 is still on the table for both of them. If that really matters to, to them winning their conference, probably not in this day and age of, of college football, maybe more so this year because things are a little bit more up in the air. But you could tell that both of these teams were rearing to go and they were kind of maybe a little bit too amped up because there was, there was a lot of energy. There were a lot of mistakes on, on both sides. And look, I just, I guess we, we got to say that Texas isn't back is really the, the biggest takeaway from all this. Again, you look at the penalties with the teams being amped up, just some general bad football, 10 for 86 for Texas, 11 for 121 for Oklahoma. So it's just, a lot was there, but at the end of the day, Oklahoma makes enough plays, right? And Sam Ellinger and that Texas offense looks really good, but they continue to just search for answers on the defensive side of the football. And it's not like Oklahoma was good defensively either. I mean, they gave up 45 points, but Texas to me just seems to find ways to lose. And that's not a good thing for a program that is searching for its way back because they're certainly not there right now, and they continue to just not really show up when the games matter the most. And, and maybe that's the wrong way to say it, because I think they showed up. But they, find that they, they can't find ways to win. They find ways to lose. And it's just not encouraging right now for Tom Herman and this group, who are sort of running out of excuses as another year is sort of down the drain. Yeah, and I, I feel like Texas is a team – it's so frustrating because I'll probably like go off a little bit here. Texas, I feel like is a team that everybody is trying to make happen. And, and it's just like not happening that way. Like this is, you were talking about the penalties. Texas is averaging like 10 of those per game. Like that is unsustainably bad. Like they're down there with some of the worst teams in college football in that category, which goes back to coaching, unfortunately. And we were talking about the coaching at Texas last week. Um, I'll give you the credit for this one. You picked Oklahoma in this game. Uh, both of these teams now were at two and two, one and two in uh, Big 12 play, uh, and uh, two and two overall. But this was an insane game, and you had both of these teams seemingly giving it back to the other. And eventually, Oklahoma, as we said, does get the victory uh, in quadruple OT, one of the best and, you know, I was saying best and worst before, but one of the most exciting Red River rivalry games in recent memory. So they get the victory there. They're a two and two. Texas falls to two and two. And, you know, both of these teams in the Big 12 trying to figure it out. Uh, there was a lot of other stuff going on around college football last weekend as well. LSU with a 
tough loss to Missouri. That game was relocated due to the hurricane. They wound up getting the loss. Uh, Georgia, another impressive victory over Tennessee. And Alabama, Ole Miss. So this was a crazy game. We were talking about this before the show. I'll just touch on it briefly, and then you can kind of add whatever you want to add to it, Nick. But Alabama wins that game 63-48 to 48 in a game that is so uncharacteristic of Alabama football. I had this stat that I wanted to use. This is from uh, Roger Sherman, who writes for The Ringer. So Alabama, uh, Ole Miss rather, gives up 63 points in that game. And they had 11 drives, Ole Miss did, with their defense on the field. They allowed nine touchdowns, forced a punt at the 40 and a fumble at the one. If Alabama had gained every possible yard on that drive, they would have had 764 yards. Instead, Alabama ended the game with 723 yards. So Ole Miss's defense prevented a total of 41 yards all night. I mean, that's, that's a horrible defense. They, that's like they, impossibly bad. They would have been better off just saying, here, take the kickoff back and we'll just we'll take the ball because that's that's how it went. No, it's it's so amazing. Just and, and I think it's in part a product of we talk about this all the time, the short and off season, you don't have the workouts the way that they, they normally happen and you're not practicing in the same way because you're desperately trying to make sure that everyone is safe. And sometimes it's better to just confirm that you're going to get on the field than maybe push it in practice. And I think that that's maybe what we're seeing because it's better to play this game and win 63 to 48 than Alabama has six positive tests and they can't play at all. But this is just not Alabama football. No, they gave up 48 points and that's just that. And, and it, let me back up. It's not sec football because I got to answer your old miss comment first. The, these are just programs. And, and we, we lauded the sec going back two or three, four five years ago about how they were the only ones that continued to play defense where the rest of college football was headed to the Texas Oklahoma 53 to 45 the SEC was still going to play some semblance of defense and it doesn't seem that that is really remained for most of the teams in the conference and when you're talking about Lane Kiffin taking the job at Ole Miss and then Mike Leach is a coach now in the SEC where they don't play any defense either or certainly didn't when he was with Washington State so it's just such a weird dynamic where you're seeing these scores, 63-48, in the SEC. And it's really weird when one of the coaches in the game is Nick Saban. So the, the idea that his defense had absolutely no answer, and this is going to tie into what we're going to talk about, because one of the few teams in the SEC that actually does play defense is Georgia. So this will be an interesting matchup this weekend. But Alabama gave up 270 yards rushing. That just doesn't happen. Like, they don't, they don't do that. So, Ole, Ole Miss is a program in transition. Lane Kiffin, this is his first year. We talk about this all the time. Nick Saban, widely regarded as one of the greatest college football coaches, if not the greatest. His first year at Alabama, they went 7-5. and five. You're not going to do well first year. It just doesn't happen. And they put up a significant fight, dare I say, a chance to win that game at times against Alabama that's supposed to be really good and Bama gets some of their defensive players back this was supposed to be I don't want to say a strength because everyone knew that they were going to be explosive again on the offensive side of the ball but it wasn't supposed to be a weakness to the tune of 48 points allowed to Ole Miss 
a program again that that this is not a team that had great expectations coming in. So it was just a weird game to watch. Really impressive was the Alabama offense, Mac Jones. Was there any question about what was going to happen after two left? Well, those are answered. 417, two touchdowns, no interceptions. He looked great. Their offense looked great. Najee Harris, this just in, is still really good. 23 carries for 206. But I, the, my biggest takeaway is just that defense because they better clean it up. If, if they don't do that, then Georgia is going to come in. This is a fascinating game to me, and I know we're going to get into this as we go along here, but I don't think Alabama by any stretch is a sure bet to take home that game because their defense is not up to snuff right now. And you'd have to think that Georgia can do a little bit better than allowing 63 points to that Alabama offense. Yeah, you would certainly think so. And before we move on, let me just say the egg bowl this year between Mike Leach oh, yeah. and Lane Kiffin is going to be tremendous. I mean, I don't know how good either of those teams are because KJ Costello, who's the quarterback at Mississippi state went from smashing records to they, they're not even sure if they're going to start him on Saturday within a span of like three weeks. But that being said, I think um, it's concerning for Alabama. Like, let's just be frank. Okay. Their offense is unstoppable, right? Matt Jones is really impressive. Najee Harris one of the best running backs in the country. Jalen Waddles, probably the best wide receiver in the country. And, you know, you have a team offensively that can put up points with the best of them. Like, nobody's disputing that. But on the defensive end, I mean, my God, we were talking about Ole Miss last week, and I, you know, I made the joke about the funometer. Like, they are high on that. They're a fun team to watch. So credit to them on that front because they do deserve some. But if you're an Alabama fan right now, you know, after the way last year ended, they did not play great defense down the stretch of last year, particularly when they played LSU and when they, they went and played Auburn. You have to be incredibly concerned. And look, they're going up against the Georgia team that is solid offensively. Stetson Bennett, you know, is a walk on. This is his you know, second probably really big game. Um, if you want to count last week as a really big game, you can, although I think they're better than Tennessee. But this is incredibly concerning for Alabama. And it's interesting that you talk about the dynamics of the SEC. I don't know. You know, this has obviously gone on for several years where the SEC used to be the conference of defense, physicality, running the football. And now they have swung the pendulum in the other direction. Now, obviously LSU had a ton of success with that last year, but they also had one of the great individual seasons by a quarterback in the history of college football. Not everybody has that. So I think that's also interesting to think about is that the game and the conference are going in that direction, but defenses in the conference haven't figured out how to stop that. And I find that very odd considering how many really talented defenses there are in that conference and how uh, stringently coaches recruit on the defensive side. That, that really surprises me. It's just, a huge shift and I, there's no other way to say it. And I'm looking through some of this stuff right now about how Georgia is going to match up with Alabama too. And you just look at that. Georgia is sort of a throwback. They, they don't play, they play the way Alabama was supposed to play that Alabama doesn't play anymore. So I'm not sure exactly how that game is going to turn out or, or whatever, but it's just, it's it's amazing because you just you don't 
and I, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to find the right words here because you're just sitting there watching a Nick Saban team play defense like that. And it just, it just doesn't happen. And then you're, you're looking at trying to rely on offensive pieces to just carry you. And, and in college football, that's, that's worked. But at some point, your defenses are going to need to come up big. And that's what we saw with LSU last year, right? They had, they had as you said, one of the greatest individual seasons from a quarterback ever with Joe Burrow. They were great. And they had tons of offensive weapons. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. They got the receivers on the outside, a very good offensive line. But when push came to shove, they were able to get some stops defensively. Does Alabama look that way, look that way right now? I, I don't know. I really don't think so. And this, to me, just in the scope of everything as we head toward maybe looking at the college football playoff, I know it's a little bit of a, of a way out, but we're still on that path. And we haven't seen some of the other teams that are going to play. We're going to factor into that conversation. Clemson looks like such a better team right now than Alabama. And I get it. They're not playing the same level of competition, but just in terms of being a well-rounded football team, we know what Clemson does offensively best quarterback in the nation. One of the better running backs in the nation. They've got the weapons and, and everything Clemson does offensively, but on defense, they've got some playmakers. They can get stops. They hold Miami to 17 points an offense that have been very good coming into that game on Saturday night to 17 points. So it's just, it's just weird. And Alabama's going to have to figure it out. I was reading some stuff earlier this week about just some of the vitriol that is coming the way of Alabama's coaching staff and, uh, you know, their, their defensive coordinator and everything else, Pete Golding. So we'll, we'll see. Nick Saban was not happy on the sideline the other day either on Saturday night, giving him uh, a, a piece of his mind about what was going on. But we'll see if Alabama can figure it out. We'll see if some of these teams that are historically better on defense can figure it out. But it seems to be the way college football is trending. We've documented that for – a long time on this program and it's it's not changing yeah and shout out to Clemson by the way who went up against a guy who I think is a bona fide Heisman contender in De'Ara King and shut down that offense ton of credit to Clemson and you're right they're very tough to beat like I, I my pick going in would have probably been Ohio State but now I have no idea how that's going to go with the Big Ten starting. I mean, I almost feel like you have to go with Clemson at some point just because they look so good and they look so well-rounded. All right, well, we've been referencing it throughout the show. The game of the week, Alabama, number two ranked, going into Athens, Georgia, take on the number three team in the land, and that is the Georgia Bulldogs with another Big win last weekend over Tennessee. This is a top four matchup. It's one of the games of the year potentially, and I should invert that as a matter of fact. That's a Brian Denny. It's not between the hedges. My apologies. Uh, but nonetheless, a big game for both sides. Don't usually see these two teams meeting up in the regular season. Usually it's a matchup reserved for SEC championship weekend. Nonetheless, Nick, though, a great regular season matchup. And uh, it's one that I'm looking forward to because I think when Georgia and Alabama usually play, there's a kind of an air of finality to it. I don't feel that way this year at all. This is a game I'm really looking forward to. I think it's going to be really solid. Wait, who's playing? Oh, <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, 
Um, for sure. And it's, I, I just love the dynamic of Kirby Smart and Nick Saban coaching against one another because I think these are two of the best coaches in all of college football. And to see the chess match that these two go through whenever they match up as two of the better and most talented teams in the country. So that's always exciting to see. This one is certainly different from what we've seen in the past because a lot of times when these two teams match up, as you said, there are SEC championship implications on the line and they don't necessarily play a ton, certainly not this early four weeks in. So that I'm sure will add another layer to this, whereas we see Alabama generally get stronger as the season goes on. Are you catching them sort of as something we see with the New England Patriots all the time, or at least in the Brady years? Are you catching them sort of in the first month of the season before they're really ready? And again, that doesn't matter as much when you're in the NFL. You can afford to drop a few games here and there. That's a big deal when you're playing college football, and this is one of the biggest matchups in the whole slate in the entire year, especially when you talk about the mixed schedules and teams playing within conference, this could very well decide a trip to the college football playoff right here. And maybe both get in based upon metrics and everything else, but this is, this is huge uh, going forward. So really interested to see how, how things work. And I I'm, was looking through some of just the, the stats on, on both sides and, it jumps out at you, of course, again, Alabama, 51 points a game. But Georgia has done a good job scoring in their own right, 36. But the, the biggest thing for me, and this is the heart of the matter, the, de- the, the difference in defense is incredible. So Bama giving up 30.3 points a game, Georgia 12.3. And I don't want to necessarily diminish what Georgia has done. It's very impressive, and I get it. They maybe haven't open with the toughest schedule but they played Auburn yeah Auburn's a a pretty good team and Bama played Ole Miss and gave up 45 so it'll be I'm I'm just interested to see what wins out because again to use sort of the old broadcaster speak something's got to give here Hmm. well either either Alabama's offense is just going to run rough shot or you're going to see Georgia slow it down And if Georgia can work on slowing down that Alabama offensive attack, I think they're going to put themselves in a very good opportunity to win this game because that Bama defense is just in shambles right now. I love what I've seen out of Georgia running the football. I think they have one of, if not the best offensive lines in the entire country. And I know that Alabama as constructed – should in theory have one of the best front sevens, but it hasn't been there this year. So I like what I've seen out of Georgia. And I think this is going to make for a very close matchup. But again, you're talking about Georgia having to go to Alabama crowd, not as much of a factor, but still will be some, you're going to have fans in the stands. So we'll see how everything shakes out and, how Georgia reacts because you do know that you have an experienced group with Alabama. This is a newer group with Georgia, especially at the quarterback position. How does Stetson Bennett react to probably playing the biggest game of his life this upcoming weekend? Yeah. And his first big road test as well. I think that's also a very important point because yeah, there's going to be less of a crowd obviously, but you could still feel nerves because you know what the stakes of the game are going to be. So that's a really interesting dynamic but Georgia's done a really good job running the football as you said Bennett has been playing basically mistake-free football through his first couple of starts 
Let's make our picks here. It's going to be such a good game. I guess I'll go first on this one, and I have been basically wavering right up until this moment as to who I was going to take. But as of this moment, as we're recording right now on Tuesday afternoon for a game that's going on Saturday night, I think I've seen enough at Alabama's defense. I'm going to take the dogs. I, I know this is a pick that might come back to bite me, just given Kirby Smart's history against Nick Saban and really generally speaking in big games. But I love what Georgia's doing right now. They've got a great offensive line, as you said. They have an excellent defense. And I know they're going on the road, but what we've seen out of Georgia has been really impressive. What we've seen out of Alabama has not. And I don't have a good feeling about Alabama in this game, you know, in general for the season. I think, you know, they could lose this game and, and maybe one down the road we'll have to see. But I'm going to go with Georgia. I, I like what they've done. I, they're playing well. And as you said, Dick, Right place, right time. You're catching Alabama now. You know, maybe in a month they have some of these defensive issues figured out. But right now, I'm not entirely sure that they do. And I, I like Georgia's defense to be able to at least contain that Alabama unstoppable force offensively. And I like Georgia to pull the upset at Bryant Denny. I'm going to be glued to my television this weekend. I'll tell you that, watching this game, because I'm really excited for it. I just can't pick against Alabama. And I know it sounded like it was going that way because I like, in theory, almost everything about Georgia in this game, except when it comes to actually playing the football game and you realize that Dick Saban is coaching one of them. And I, I know that it was such a struggle. And, and there's also something to be said for Lane Kiffin, who knows – what Nick Saban wants to do defensively perhaps better than anyone. And by the way, I, maybe I should retract that because maybe Kirby Smart knows it better even than Lane Kiffin. But as a tactical offensive mind, I, I'm really impressed with what Lane Kiffin can do on the offensive side and, and could attribute for some of that. I, I just, it, it's such a weird dynamic in this game. And I just don't think that Georgia will be able to slow down Alabama enough. I think that that offense is just so good with the way that Mac Jones is playing and Najee Harris and Jalen Waddle. They have so many weapons. And when, when this game is going to get high scoring, because I think that's just undoubtedly what's going to happen. There's no way that Georgia's holding Bama to 12, right? They're going to score 30. That's just, that's the way college football has been working the last few years is the way the SEC works. I just don't think Alabama's held under 30. And when that happens, I'm, nervous about the Georgia offense I am I just Stetson Bennett has played mistake-free football that's the best thing you can say about him he's he's not that type of playmaker and maybe he'll prove me wrong because he's only played the four games the three games rather in his career this will be number four so maybe he will but I like a lot of what Georgia can do I think they can take a lot of pressure off of him with the offensive line that they have. I think they can run the football and will do it effectively. But I think that Alabama's offense will do enough and will be prolific enough where they can sort of control the game flow and the game script of how this one plays out to where Georgia won't be in a position to be running the football 40 times. They're going to have to work to score with Alabama. 
and I just don't like them in a shootout, which I think this game will inevitably be. So give me Alabama at home. It is a very difficult decision. I don't think Alabama covers. It's a six-point spread. I would take Georgia in the six points if I were a betting man, but I think Alabama ultimately comes out with the win. Yeah, and I think you and I kind of have similar visions as to how this game will go. I just don't know with how bad Alabama's defense has been. I really feel like Georgia can just run the ball on them and maybe Stetson Bennett doesn't need to be some huge playmaker to try to win them this game. And as you said, six points is a lot. There were people I saw on Twitter who are obviously prisoners of the moment who were saying, oh, well, maybe Georgia will be favored in this game. I was like, there's no chance. Not at Bryant Denny, not with Alabama's pedigree. It's not going to happen. This is not going to happen. But I will say this is an early test for Alabama the likes of which we have not seen in a few years, probably going back to like 2015 when they played Ole Miss in September at home. This will be a big test for Alabama. I'm uh, looking forward to seeing it. Nick, as always, a pleasure being with you. Our thanks to our producer, Ryan Gregware, handling the edit on this one. For all of us here at FUV, I'm Jimmy Sullivan. Thank you for listening to another episode of College Gridiron.